Welcome to the Denverse. I am Derek. This is Quinn. And this is a Denverse Stories. And today we're going to talk about the Colorado Avalanche through their retired players. So I'm going to ask you, Quinn, yeah. what you know about these players. And just for the record, these are the numbers hanging in the rafters. Oh, okay. And just fair warning for you and the listeners. I am as big and aloof a bandwagon fan of the Colorado Avalanche hockey team to the point that I'll talk shit to someone who's like a wild fan or a Predators fan, but I actually know very little about the team itself. So we're talking about six players today. Six so we're going to go through one at a time, just see what you know, mm-hmm. and then we'll sort of fill in the gaps about how they are really the history of the franchise up to this point. So the first player, number 19. Joe Sackick. What do you know about Joe Sackick? Um, from British Columbia. Um, I was very randomly in Vancouver, and I was like on Joe Sackick Way or something. I'm like, oh, shit. Uh, he is now the president of the abs like he's like the best one of the best hockey players of all time yes top 10 in scoring all time and also the record for most overtime goals in the playoffs in nhl history which is a huge part of his mythos yes well he's a player who has a mythos yeah um solid head of hair for an older gentleman um He's basically looked the same since 1995. Like, if you see early Joe Sackick when he was still on the Quebec Nordiques, who drafted him in 87, he looked young for a couple of years. But yeah. then he's looked the same basically ever since. Man, it's, I guess like if you're just constantly on an ice rink, it just slows down the aging process like cryogenics. Um, so, yeah, British Columbia, <laughs> um, Hall of Famer. Um, if they were going to build a statue outside of Pepsi Center... Sackick would be first above anybody else on the Nuggets or the Avs. Okay, boom. That's a great way. Um, and, yeah, he's, like, currently the John Elway of operations for the Avs. Okay, number 21. Um, Peter Forsberg. Okay, great. Oh, Peter Forsberg. Such a great name. Like, I would always say Forsberg. Cause yeah. that, that works. Um, I think I picture him in my head being just, like, a square-jawed Joe Sackick with a more broken nose. Um, but I don't know You're why. You're thinking I think that. of a different player on this list. Oh, <laughs> that person exists. Okay. <laughs> uh, Peter Forsberg, probably objectively one of the best looking people in the world. Really? Still. He was Swedish, like Landeskog. Ah. Um, actually has a postage stamp after him for scoring a shootout goal to win Sweden a gold medal at one point. Oh, okay. In, in, in Sweden, he's a postage yes. stamp. Okay. Um, Really just overall one of the biggest forces in hockey. If he had played in the post-lockout era, which we will get to, he would have been able to stay healthy and probably would be like Ovechkin competing for like all-time scoring. Just an amazing player. Oh, but was he a bruiser? Like, No, you're thinking of the guy we'll get to in a minute. Who is he this was just square like job? <laughs> a dynamic, dynamic scorer, probably the best player to ever play for the Avalanche. One of the best athletes I've ever seen in my life, but injuries held him up as we'll get to. Okay. Number 23. Uh, um, not Michael Jordan, so. Um. Milan Hayduk. Close. Oh, okay. Um, he. <laughs> RMJ. Also drafted by the Nordiques, but didn't play for the Avs until the middle section. We'll get to that. But the longest tenured Av other than Joe Sackick, as far as Avalanche yeah. goes. I can spell his last name. I know that much. That's good. You want to? H E D U J K? 
The J is actually before the D. H E J D U K. Oh. Uh, the J is silent. As, as it would be, um, he's from, I'd also say, a an upper northern European country. The Czech Republic. Oh, that's more central. Okay. Yeah. Um, next on the list, number 33. Um, okay, wait. I know this one. Is that Wah? Yes, that Yay! is Wah. Patrick Wah, greatest goaltender of all time, known for popularizing the butterfly style of goaltending, which everyone uses today. Is that like knees turned in? Yeah, that's the like looks like a butterfly sort of. Tight. Okay. Uh, and he's stung like a bee. Yeah. Um, won two Stanley Cups with the Montreal Canadiens before coming to the Avalanche, including his rookie year. Won two Conn Smythes, and yeah, the greatest goaltender of all time. And we'll get to one of the reasons for that in this podcast. Okay, but is he the square jawed bruiser that I was thinking of? No, you're thinking of the next player oh. on the list, uh. number fifty two. Number 52. Um, there's been some good names that have come through. Uh, this guy, actually, the Avs used to have a patch on the shoulder that they no longer have that felt like a tribute to this guy, even though it wasn't. His name is Adam Foot. Adam Foot. And okay. they used to have a foot patch for the abominable snowman that they don't have as a mascot anymore. Oh. And Adam Foot did have a broken nose several times. Was like the dirty hockey player, not dirty and like he took cheap shots, just like a grinder. Was the grinder for years for the Avalanche. Um, isn't it probably ever going to make the Hall of Fame? Unlike everyone else except for Hayduke on the list, it's already in the Hall of Fame. Oh, but he was really the life force for the Avs for these Stanley Cup teams, and his defensive partner for that last one, number seventy-seven. For the last... The last Stanley Cup. The second one. Um, Ray Bork wouldn't make this list. That was it. Oh, Ray really? Bork. Okay, boom. The retired jersey that some people don't think should be retired, but I think should. Because he, he he only played for them like... Uh, a, a little over a year. A little over a year. One of the greatest defensemen in NHL history. Um, and came over, and we'll get to that because it's part of the story. So now we're going to go through how these players really shaped... The Avalanche up to today. So um, th- just real quick, yeah, Peter Forsberg's a pretty attractive dude. He looks like the big dude in every Denver bar. Yeah, if it, yeah, it's, he, he's he's a Denver hot guy. And he had the flowing the flowing locks. Yeah, yeah. So we'll take you back to Quebec, late '80s. They draft Sackick in '87 and Foot in '89. Uh, Forsberg comes over in 91. He was originally drafted by the Flyers. There was a famous trade. A player named Eric Lindros refused to play for the Quebec Nordiques and got traded in. It's known as the Lindros trade, and the tree actually supplied the Avs with players through the late, early 2000s, whatever we call that decade, the zeros. The the aughts. Yes, eventually the tree died, and we could do a whole episode on the Lindros tree. But Forsberg was... A great player, like a steal. Him alone would have made the trade worth it. But they got a ton of other players, too, including guys that helped supply the first Stanley Cup. Um, Sorry to roll back real quick, because I know a little bit of the history. Um, Lindros didn't want to go to the Nordiques because they were terrible, correct? And in Quebec. And <laughs> <laughs> um, Poutine so, was not enough to yeah. lure him. So, in 95... Quebec, the Canadian economy tanks. 
and Quebec moves to Colorado, becomes Colorado Avalanche. The three players that ended up surviving into the 2000s who played for the Quebec Nordiques were Sackick, Foot, and Forsberg. Everyone else left at some point during this whole tenure. During their first season in Montreal, Patrick Waugh got in a fight with his coach, who used to be a teammate. His name was Tremblay. Mm. He left Patrick Waugh in to get nine goals scored against him. Patrick Waugh storms off the ice and says, I will never play for the Montreal Canadiens again. And luckily, the Avalanche needed a goaltender, and they called up. Now, a year before, that trade never could have happened because the Nordiques and the Canadians were rivals. Mm. So Patrick Waugh could never have played for the Nordiques. They went back to Quebec years later, and he refused to put on a Nordiques jersey because he hated them that much. But luckily for the Avs, he did play for them (laughs) in 95-96, and he was the piece that led to them knocking off one of the best teams in NHL history, the 96 Red Wings, which started the rivalry. We're not going to get too much into the rivalry, but that's where the bad blood began. That was when Lemieux had the check. So the Avs knock off the Red Wings, huge underdog story. They were not supposed to be there. They never got in that far in the playoffs, and they sweep the Florida Panthers. It ended in game, well, first of all, they just killed the Panthers. Forsberg had a ton of goals in one of the games. Like, they just rolled over him. Sackick ended up being the MVP for the playoffs. Game four, though, was very interesting. They were in Florida. It went to three overtimes. They won game four in the third overtime. A guy named Huey Krupp scored the goal. And that's how they won their first Stanley Cup immediately. I just, I just want people listening to know Derek has absolutely no notes in his hand. He is. This is all in his own... Um, brain encyclopedia. It's a beautiful thing. Well, so being a five-year-old, <laughs> I actually went to McNichols Arena with my dad and brother that night and watched the first three periods on the Jumbotron before we had to go home. I fell asleep on the couch before they scored. Wow. I remember waking up, and that was Denver's first professional championship that would be followed by the Broncos a couple months later, but they broke the cor- broke the curse or like a several months later. That was... There was no other championship in Denver. To no. Wow. So it was a huge deal. There's a brand new team, too. There's a great Drew Litton cartoon of Joe Sackick sleeping with the Stanley Cup and John Elway peering through the window looking <laughs> at it because he hadn't won a championship yet with classic horse face Drew Litton cartoon of John Elway. <laughs> um, other various uh, wandering question. Where do the Florida Panthers play? They actually play in Miami. Really? And there was a whole thing with rats involved with this Stanley Cup (laughs) where one of their players killed a rat in the locker room and they started throwing rats onto the ice. And they would throw rats onto the ice after the first goal. But the Avs were so good that it took a long time for them to throw the the rats on the ice. There's a great picture of Waugh just like sweeping the rats out of his crease in that Wow, okay. So thank you for that. Miami as a hockey team, I had no idea. So it looked like the Avs were just going to be great now, right? Because they'd started so hot. Things were going great. But then things kind of went off the rails. So they lose to the Red Wings. Then they lose to Edmonton in the first round in a just crazy series. And then they lose to the Dallas Stars. Uh, that year they got a guy named Theo Fleury because their GM was known for making these trades, uh, Pierre Lacroix, the architect of these avalanche teams. And he got this guy named Theo Fleury who couldn't even stay on the ice. He was having like drug issues and all of these things. They lose to the Stars, and it looks like Joe Sackick is going to leave the avalanche. He's going to go play with Wayne Gretzky, who's playing for the New York Rangers. Gretzky asks him to come. 
So he signs the offer sheet, and the Avs and Nuggets ownership has no money. And so they have to do all this maneuvering. They end up getting it at the deadline. Sackick signs the highest contract for one year ever because the Rangers front-loaded this, so the Avs couldn't match it. And that's how Sackick stayed in Colorado. None of the rest of this happens without the ownership. I think it was ComSat coming together with this money at the last minute. So... They're going through, they're doing all right, but they're like, we need another piece. And that is when Ray Bork joined the Avalanche. Ray Bork had played 21 seasons for the Bruins. They hadn't been good for most of those seasons. And he'd never won a Stanley Cup. And so the Avs bring him in to win the Stanley Cup. They go and play Dallas and again lose in Dallas in Game 7 in the Western Conference Finals. One game away from the Stanley Cup. And that was really what put the wheels in motion for everything that happened next. So the 2001 season, 2000-2001 season, to me is the greatest season like ever as a sports fan. So many things happened that year. Waugh became the winningest goaltender of all time. The Avs hosted the All-Star Game at home where they put all the players on the ice. So Hayduke has joined the roster now. He'd had a good rookie season. They had a bunch of rookies that were now a part of this team. Hayduke's on the ice because it was Team World versus Team North America. So Forsberg and Sackick are taking the face off against each other. Hayduke's on the ice. Waugh's on the ice. Uh. Just like great all around. Um, they win the league. They get the President's Trophy and head into the playoffs ready to redeem themselves. They called it Mission 16W to get 16 wins to mm. make it to the playoffs. Now, before this happened, they signed probably the third best defenseman they've ever had, Rob Blake. They traded for him. They traded Adam Deadmarsh, a longtime player. Um, Forsberg said he would not re-sign with the team. He was so mad that they had traded Deadmarsh away. He felt like he was really a core player. That came back in round two. The Avs knocked off Vancouver easily with a sweep. And then in round two, they played the Kings, who had just made the trade for Deadmarsh for Blake. That game, that series goes seven, largely because of Deadmarsh. Deadmarsh is a Los Angeles hero mm-hmm. for how he played these games. And the Avs end up prevailing, go to St. Louis, win that in five, and Forsberg's spleen bursts open, and he can no longer play for the Avalanche. So they're going into the Stanley Cup Finals without Forsberg. Was that from a hit, or was it just like... Yeah, like, they don't know exactly. He was at dinner, and he said, something feels wrong. He loses his spleen. So he is not available. This is another follow-up real quick. Yeah. What the hell is a spleen? What does it do? It doesn't do anything. It is useless. It's like (laughs) leftover hardware, but if it ruptures, you can die. Okay. So What a jerk. So the Avs are playing the New Jersey Devils who have the second greatest goaltender of all time, much younger than Waugh, Martin Brodeur. And this series, to me, is really why Waugh is the better goaltender, because head-to-head, he was the better goaltender overall. During this run, I forgot to mention this, Ray Bork actually called a goal, too, and he was like, Bob Hartley, who was the coach, was like, we need someone to score a goal. And Bork was like, I'll do it, and then he scored the goal, which never happens in hockey. It was great. But Waugh comes to this thing where he has a really bad game five. The Avs had home ice advantage because they were the best team. Waugh has a bad game five at home. The Avs go back to New Jersey down 3-2. And Waugh overhears Brodeur's wife say, oh, the series is over. And Waugh does not allow a goal in game six. He completely steals it for game six. The Avs return home for game seven. And they end up winning game seven. 
They win it three to one. Sakic has a goal. Tange has a goal. I think Tange has two goals. Alex Tange, that's another name. That yes, and he does not have his number retired because he gets traded. But the great line that year was Sakic, Tange, and Hayduke. That mm. was the big line. Later on, Hayduke and Tange would move with Forsberg in a couple years. But the Avs win that, and then I'm just going to play you the greatest moment in Avalanche history. And maybe the greatest moment in hockey history. And remember, all this happened at the Pepsi Center. It's the only championship that has ever been won in Colorado. Yeah. Joe Sackett, come get the cup so he and the rest of your teammates can hoist. He immediately turns and hands it to Rayford, who lifts it up and over his head. Rayford, 22 years, has waited for this moment. Sackett didn't even lift it over his head. He gave it right to Rayford, who kisses the cup. And the crowd of the Pepsi Center explodes. Tears coming down the eyes of Ray Bort. Usually when a team wins the Stanley Cup, the captain goes, gets the cup from Gary Bettman, because Gary Bettman has been the guy forever. The commissioner? Yeah, he's been the commissioner since their first Stanley Cup. <laughs> and he's still around. But usually he goes, the captain will then put the cup over his head and then hand it off to his teammates. Joe Sackick decides he's not going to do that. He instead hands the cup to Bork, and lets Bork put the cup over his head oh, so wow. that he is the one that gets to cherish the moment first. And it's pro- it's easily the greatest trophy presentation in like the history of the NHL in sports. He first one to do that, and just because Bork was such an iconic figure, uh-huh. it was such a big moment. Oh, that's, that's chills. And crazy to think. Yeah, that happened in the Pepsi Center. Yeah, and it's the only one because the Broncos both won on the road, and the Florida one happened on the road for the Avalanche uh, and the rest of the Rockies have never won and the Nuggets have never won. Well, yeah, the Rockies got to celebrate a World Series sweep at, yes. at home. I'd, I'd say the play-in game in 2007 was the second closest. Yeah. Like, but the Avs is so much ahead of that. Um, So that team, I don't know if you noticed, but had all six players whose numbers were retired. Yeah. Joe Sackick, Forsberg, Hayduke, Wah, Foote, and Bork. That season and a half was the only time they would all play together because Bork retired after winning the Stanley Cup. The Avs retired his number. Some people think that he shouldn't have, but he was so instrumental to them winning that cup. Like, he was the mission. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is why he should have had his number retired. And he played great. He was over 40 and still played great that whole time. Would, like, would, does Boston have his number retired, too? Yeah, they do. Oh, okay. So it's not well, like then- just one person can. Oh, then go ahead, player. Yeah, you deserve it. So the Avs just keep cruising. We get into uh, the next year. They go to a Game 7 in the Western Conference Finals against the Red Wings. Forsberg scored in Game 6 to force Game 7. Everyone's feeling great. Patrick Waugh gives up seven goals, and they lose in Game 7. And that's where things kind of turn here. The next year, oh, and during this time, Forsberg was out for the whole season with the spleen. He retired and then came back, had a monster playoffs, goes on to the next year. He and Hayduke have a monster season um, where Hayduke scores 50 goals, the last 50-goal scorer for the Avalanche. Forsberg's a monster, really the height of Forsberg's career. And the thing you have to understand is Forsberg was a skilled puck handler. He could hold the puck for as long as he wanted to, but he was playing in an era where you were allowed to do whatever you wanted to the forwards. You could grab him. You could tackle him. 
it was impossible to score. It's known as the dead puck era. Uh. And all of these injuries are what would later hurt Forsberg because he was doing all these amazing things that you see now players do, like the spinning and the holding onto the puck and the no-look passes. But he was doing that while guys were literally on his back, chipping at him with their stick, just all of the penalties. It was known as, like, the obstruction was terrible. Is this also an era where, uh, like, you can fight and then get back on the ice almost immediately? Yeah, I mean, it was five minutes. There was no real consequence. There was a ton of fighting. It would You wouldn't go a game without fighting. So there were enforcers. Forsberg would fight sometimes. It sort of felt like everyone against Forsberg and then the rest of the team played. But he was incredible. Like, I cannot overstate how good he was during this era, despite oh. all of this. Like, Sackick had the wrist shot and was a great player, but Forsberg was just such an athlete to the level that you never really see in the NHL. Like, there are a handful of guys who played as well as Forsberg did um, during that time. From an athletic standpoint, like, well, uh, maybe Ovechkin, as you said. Like, yeah, Ovechkin could be one of those guys. I think Yammer Yager is a good example because mm. he was a bigger guy. I mean, he was doing things that Gretzky and Lemieux did, but Mario Lemieux ended up actually quitting during this era because he was like, I can't take it anymore. Jeez. Um, like, Crosby wouldn't be in that era. Yeah, Crosby was after that, and Lemieux actually comes back because we'll get to it in a minute, but there's a lockout. Yeah. So, 2003, the Avs lose to the Wild in the first round. They were huge favorites. Oh, Game seven, overtime. I know, it's all it all happens again later. Uh, they lose. It's Patrick Law's last was last game. He retires after that. He feels like he's lost a step. He leaves. So we've lost two of the stars. They have one more run. They get two future Hall of Famers and Paul Correa and Timu Solani um, to make this run. They've traded some of their other players, so it's not everybody, but they're stacked up for one last run. They end up losing in the second round. Forsberg tries to carry the team on his back, but they lose to San Jose. Again, another team they lose to later. Um, Several times. They just always lose to San Jose in the playoffs, Um, at least the last three times. And then the lockout happens. And the thing about these Colorado Avalanche teams is that they have been playing without a salary cap. And the league no longer wants to allow the Avs and the Red Wings and the Stars and the Devils to have this advantage. So they lose an entire season to make these changes which means that when the play finally resumes a year later, we go without a Stanley Cup playoff. No one plays. The Avs can no longer afford everyone, and they lose Forsberg and Foot in free agency. Uh. So now Sackick and Hayduke are the only people who are left from the retired in the rafters numbers. The other thing is they changed how the game is played. So they get rid of that obstruction, which would be great for Forsberg, but he can't stay healthy. And Adam Foote is completely lost. He he goes to the Columbus Blue Jackets, and he has to completely learn how to play hockey again because he was one of the guys that was doing all the obstructing. Yeah. Um, They would go on and lose Blake the next year because the league also punished the Avs unfairly where the Blake and Sackick had these signing bonuses that they said didn't account against the cap, and then they changed their mind, and they said, oh, it does count against the cap. So they lose Blake and Tange too during this whole transition. And so the Az continue along. They're okay. They're not bad. They keep making the playoffs. And then in 2007-2008, the Avs decide to get the band back together one more time. They trade for Forsberg. They trade for Foot. They make one more run. They beat the Stars in the first round. And then everybody gets hurt. 
Forsberg can't stay healthy again, and they get swept by the Red Wings, which really ends this era of avalanche hockey. Forsberg retires again, and Sackick, the next year, only plays a few games. He ends up hurting his back, and then in the worst injury in the history of Colorado, he sticks his hand in a snowblower that is stuck and ends up slicing his hand effectively between the two injuries, ending his career. Wow. The abs plummet, don't make the playoffs, and it seems like things are trending badly. Adam Foote becomes the new captain of the Avalanche. They sign Matt Duchesne, whose childhood hero was Joe Sackick, and they make the playoffs that year. Things seem to be going better. They decide to... They miss the playoffs, but then they bring back Peter Forsberg again. He's decided to come back out of retirement. He plays three games, and then... What we call the Valentine's Day Massacre happens. <laughs> Peter Forsberg retires, and the Avs announce they will add his number to the rafters. And that night, the Avalanche lose 9-1 to to the Vancouver Canucks in the worst hockey game I've ever attended in my life. It was so bad, and it felt like the real end to this era. Adam Foote deals with injuries, and he ends up retiring he comes back he has one of the greatest shifts by a defenseman in his final shift where he is just pounding this guy behind the net to steal it away it's like an iconic shift you can look it up i'll put it in the show notes um he retires hey Duke becomes the next captain so he just like beats his shit on someone and it's like thank yeah. you yeah Good goodbye <laughs> classic adam foot um and then hey Duke becomes a captain he starts dealing with injuries and they end up removing the captaincy from him and giving it to Landis Cog. He retires, and all of the players who have been retired are now done with the Avalanche. Then Joe Sackick and Patrick Waugh come back. Joe <laughs> Sackick's the GM president, and Waugh is the coach GM. And it looks like things are going to be great. And the first year they are. Patrick Waugh wins coach of the year. The Avs get the number one seed. Losing seven to the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, that was the year I decided I was going to be a hockey fan. And that was tough, man. Yeah, I mean, those games were so hard because they won them all coming from behind. They would just score these empty net goals. It was nuts. And it felt like this is going to go on forever. But also, how could it? Because they were so lucky. And the next year, it really doesn't. Things fall off the rails. Juan Sackick are fighting. They end the season two weeks before training camp. Patrick Waugh calls and says, I'm quitting and leaves the abs in the worst position ever. They find Bednar. He was the AHL coach in Columbus and the abs love Columbus players. They have ties. They bring him in and the abs go on to have the worst season in modern NHL history, (laughs) only gaining, I think, 49 points. It was terrible. And everyone's like, well, it looks like the era is really over. We've lost everybody. Sackick is the only one left at all, and we need to move on from Sackick. Mm-hmm. Luckily, they trade Duchesne, the hero of, you know, Joe Sackick was his hero gr- growing up. He's disgruntled. Sackick trades him. They get the haul that they do. The team turns it around, and they've made the playoffs the last two years, and that is how we get to now through the history of the six players who have been retired by the Colorado Avalanche. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, So then, but now, like, the heroes of the Avalanche, the current heroes would be Nathan McKinnon, 
Gabe Landeskog and uh, probably Eric Johnson. Oh, really? Um, and then Miko Rantanen. And then Miko Rantanen. Miko's younger. Landeskog. So Duchesne gets drafted in 2010. Landeskog gets drafted in 2012, and McKinnon gets drafted in 2014. So they oh, all like okay. stack up there. Uh, who is the name that you've not named that would also, especially in that Ots years, yeah. was like a big name, but hasn't been mentioned yet. Yeah, so Chris Drury is the guy that I haven't mentioned who is like the best player that things went awry. And that was one of the mistakes. So Chris Drury and Alex Tangay and Hayduke were kind of the guys that replaced the guys from the 96 team. Uh-huh. The Claude Lemuse and the Kamensky, all those guys leave. And they bring in the young guys. Chris Drury should have, like, if everything goes according to plan, the Avs don't make the terrible trade to trade Chris Drury for a guy named Derek Morris, who was bad. That doesn't sound like a good hockey name, if no. I'm being honest. Just the Derek part. <laughs> um, worst trade that Pierre Lacroix ever made. And Drury ends up going on, playing for a number of teams. He ends up being a big part of the uh, USA's attempt to win the gold medal in 2008 that... Uh, and I guess it was, sorry, 2010. Um, they end up losing that one. Crosby scores a goal in overtime for Canada to win that one. Um, but Drury's the other guy that you're like, he was so good. Yeah. Um, during the aughts, they had some guys that were fun. They had Steve Konowalczyk, who actually had a heart condition and had to retire. Oh, boy. Ian LaPerriere, who was a lot of fun. Paul Stasny, who was the son of um, a guy that played for the Nordiques. And actually, all of his brothers played, too. They all defected from the Soviet Union. So you had the three Stasny brothers who all played. Wow. And, uh, Peter Stasny, Paul Stasny's father, was the best of the three. Mm. Um, so there have been other guys. But the really the craziest thing to me thinking about it, back about it is when you think about how teams retire numbers, the fact that all six of them played on the same team is just kind of crazy. Like, yeah. it ties in all of the elements of these teams. And the fact that Joe Sackick was able to come in, completely tank the team. He made a lot of bad decisions. He made some really bad signings. He kept signing older guys that couldn't keep playing. Mm. It seemed like it was all over, but then to turn it around and really turn them into a Stanley Cup contender again is just crazy. And, I mean, props to him for, like... A guy who can certainly rest on his laurels. Mm-hmm. And at the point where, yeah, Patrick Waugh um, quits um, as coach, like right before the season starts, that this, there was like a lot of shit that Sackick had to put up with to now be in this position that he didn't have to. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, you know, there's a lot with Waugh. And I mean, he's such an interesting person for a lot of reasons. He's had some bad things. Like, his temper has always been a problem. There was the time in Montreal, which I think was deserved. Like, he and Tremblay did not get along at all. And, like, Tremblay would make fun of Waz English and, like, all of these things. Um, He's a, that's a really big dude to yeah. make fun of. <laughs> but luckily, uh, when Wa came to the Avalanche, he was roommates with Adam Foote. And Foote really helped him with English. Like, that was, like, one of the big friendships on the team. Mm. Um, but... He had a temper. There was a domestic incident where he tore a door frame off of a door, and he was very quirky. Like if he, his eye used to twitch a lot. He would not, t- he would not step on the blue line. Like he would step over the blue line. <laughs> he was 
as far as like the goalie who's sort of by himself, like he was all of those things. But he was also he had like the goalie fight like in the middle. Yes, he had. Of the he rink. fought three Red Wings goalies. He fought Mike Vernon, Chris Osgood, and I think Hasek. I think he fought Dominic Hasek too. That's a beautiful. And those were all a big part of the Red Wings rivalry. And really, of these guys, Forsberg and Wall were the only ones that really played a part in it to mm-hmm. a high to le- high degree. And I mean, there's there's a whole book. Highly recommend Adrian Dater's Blood Feud about the Avs Red Wings rivalry. It's oh, very really good. Cool. Um, but they were the two best teams in hockey for this period, with the Stars and the Devils being the other two. The Devils won the Stanley Cup right before the Avs did, both times. They won it in '95 and they won it in 2000. Um, so I think the the thing about the Avs is we got very lucky when they moved here that they were the team that won the Stanley cup and then were good for so long. And I think the fans that have stuck with it, like we really got what we deserved from the lockout to the last couple of years. They just never had any consistency. Like we had to suffer through some really bad years Mm -hmm. and it feels like we, we did that so they could finally build a strong foundation. And it's nice to be on the other side where you're like, this team should be good again. Yeah, and although the injuries play a major role in suck, all of the new blood guys are still young, and so like it's this isn't a win now situation for them. Even if they have a down year, um, that McKinnon, Rantanen, and Landeskog are signed for multiple years, and Makar. Yeah, like, there's so many pieces to build from at this point that we're gonna have hype hockey and basketball in the Pepsi Center, unless the name changes, um, for a few years to come at least. Yeah, and I mean, from all we've suffered for being Denver sports fans, like especially Nuggets, like Nuggets above everyone else, Nuggets and Rockies, but the Avs, like it's been a while. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. And so, yeah, that's that's the history of the Avs through their retired numbers. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. We still need a nickname for that 2001 team. And then I want a nickname for this current team too. But we'll find that at a later date. Sounds good. Uh, Thanks for joining us on The Denverse. Remember, every Thursday, we have a new episode recapping this week in Denver sports. Until then, I'm Derek. I'm Quinn. Bye.